Church, whether you're here at Clark Street or if you're watching online, my name is Joe Crummy, and a privilege to be able to be speaking today on our third Sunday of Advent on joy. And today we're going to be taking a look at hopefully some joyful things from the book of Acts, chapter 2. But first, just want to mention that uh, Christmas is a time of waiting. And so, for all of our kids and students, what are one of the things you're waiting for? You can shout it out. There we go. You know what? In both services, it's been the teachers who have answered that question both times. They are waiting for school to be over, and it can't come fast enough. And then we'll talk to the parents in a couple of weeks' time, and they'll be like, we're waiting for school to start again. That's how that goes. And we're waiting for Christmas to come. We're waiting to hopefully open up some gifts. We're waiting for maybe if you're online... You're waiting to get out of quarantine, and maybe you're waiting to see your family, and there's a lot of waiting that goes on. And earlier this autumn, I asked the question that when you go on a trip, what's the number one question that gets asked as you start out on a trip? Are we there yet? I heard that over there. Well done. Are we there yet? Well, I have another question for you this morning regarding a trip. Have you ever gone on a trip and when you supposedly arrived at your destination, you weren't sure if you arrived at the right place. Has that ever happened to someone before, that you went maybe somewhere for the first time, and you heard about it, and you're like, once you got there, you're like, I'm not sure if this is the right destination. Well, it happened to Angela and I uh, many years ago as we were getting ready for our honeymoon. We took our first trip ever down south to the Dominican Republic, and we planned the trip months in advance, and we had to go looking through magazines. There were no websites, there were no TripAdvisor, no cell phones, no Google Maps. Old school. You got a magazine, and you had to look through it, and you picked out your resort, and by faith, you believed it was there. <laughs> the one that you saw in your magazine was there. And so we were excited, and of course, lots of anticipation and waiting, and just before our trip, everything started to change. So the flights got uh, moved, we had to fly out of Halifax now instead of Fredericton, and I, we went on our flight, we got delayed in Toronto, and we had to wait, 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 and finally, we landed in the Dominican Republic late at night, and it was dark, and raining, and windy, and it wasn't anything like we expected. And we kept kind of asking ourselves, are we at the right place? And we kept looking for some signs, like we need some signs to know because the buses weren't well marked and people were speaking a different language and we were like tired and confused and a bit naive and we were kind of like, are we in the right place? And finally, we found someone who had our names and we finally found the right bus. And as we pulled up to our resort, even though it looked different from what was in here, they had a room for us and our names were there and we were like, ah, finally, we have made it to the right place and we could start our vacation. It could 
begin. Now, I need you to help me this morning, use your imaginations, because think about the experience, and can you imagine waiting not just for like a holiday, but something on a much bigger time scale, not months, but you're waiting for something for hundreds of years, and not just you, but all your family and all your friends, that you're not just waiting for a holiday, but something that was long ago promised, something that you've been dreaming of, planning for, mulling over, aching for, agonizing over, a time when things would work out right and the wrongs would be made right, when hopes would be realized and good times would begin, when relief gives way to excitement and joy and new possibilities. Finally, we reached our destination and new things can start. That is the context that we pick up today's reading in God's Word. So we're going to look at the book of Acts, chapter 2, and just to give you the context, the Jewish people had been longing and waiting for a Messiah. And Jesus came, and he didn't look like what they were expecting. And now, so only a few really believed, Jesus returns to heaven, the 120 are gathered together, and they're waiting because Jesus has told them to wait for what? For the promise of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we pick up the story. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 2, or it's going to be up here on our screen, and we're going to read through it together. So this is what we read beginning at verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all, those, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whew. 
So you've got to give the context. In first century Jews, they knew their scriptures, and they had been waiting, longing, anticipating for hundreds and hundreds of years. Would the Messiah come soon? Would the Messiah usher in a new kingdom and a new way of life? And there was all these kind of clues in the Old Testament pointing to a new day coming. And there were signs that would be given that would signal, we're here. The destination has arrived. That's the context that Luke recorded this letter that we call the book of Acts. And Peter connects the dots between the Old Testament prophecy in Joel and what has just happened, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And Luke, we've already seen this in the book of Luke, and especially at Christmas time, we see that Luke has connected the dots between what's happened and promised in the Old Testament and what's happened with Jesus coming. It's like Luke's saying, you know what? You've been looking for a destination, and you're kind of going like, what I see happen and what I thought was going to happen aren't the same thing. And it's like Luke and Peter's done the same thing. It's like they take in the book and they say, look, guys and gals, there's some signs along the way that prove we are in the right place. And that's what Luke did in the book of Luke. He set out to do a very thorough job of connecting Old Testament to the reality of Jesus being born. Here's some examples. Jesus' family line, it says with Joseph, he was from the line and a descendant of David, which we just read about in some of the songs this morning. Why is that important? Because it was foretold hundreds of years earlier in places like the book of Isaiah that the Messiah, the king who would come to make things right, would come from the line of David. God made a promise to David, you'll always have a king on your throne. That was important. Jesus was to be born to a virgin, and we read in Luke 1 that Mary was a virgin, fulfilling what was promised in Isaiah 7, 14. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Luke 2, 4, which fulfilled the promise given to Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. Jesus' life, his death, his crucifixion, fulfilled all kinds of prophecies from the Old Testament. In Luke 22, we see fulfilled, for example, Isaiah 53. Folks, there's foundational things God promised, God fulfilled. We could sing this morning, my soul magnifies God because he's done great things for us. He's done great things for his people. So today, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to briefly, and we'll pick it up next week as well. It's like, here's the destination, and you kind of like, I've kind of read, and I kind of have a glimpse of what it's to be like, but I don't know if we've actually, are we actually there? I just want to briefly give three ways that signs that point to Jesus has come and he's brought about a new kingdom and it's a kingdom of his spirit. So let's take a look at these three things briefly this morning. Number one, Pentecost. It's God's timing. It's a signal that Jesus has returned to heaven and he's pouring out his spirit into this new kingdom, even if it looked different from maybe what they expected. Pentecost, just to give you some context, is a Jewish festival, and it's the 50th day after Passover, which we'll explain more in a moment. And Pentecost was an agricultural festival. It's one of three sort of feast festivals in the Jewish calendar. A day when farmers brought their first fruit to their crops, and they offered it to God. They gave their first to God. And it was a sign of thanksgiving, but also it was a prayer 
that the rest of the harvest was going to come in. So God, we're entrusting, we thank you for the first fruits, but we're also praying and believing you're going to provide the rest of the harvest. But Pentecost was more than just a feast or a festival. It was this also. It was a reminder that the law had been given to God's people. That 50 days after the Passover, do you remember the Passover? Incredible truth and history in the Jewish, for the Jewish people. They remembered the great story of how God rescued his people. That the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. And that God began a series of events to bring them out into his promised land. And do you remember that the last sort of plague that was to happen was the angel of death was coming and God told his people, you must kill a lamb and you must put the blood over the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over and your firstborn would be safe. And that's what the Israelites did. They killed the lamb, they put the blood over the doorpost, angel of death came through in the night and only the Egyptian firstborns were killed. And that was enough for Pharaoh to let God's people go. And the Israelites left Egypt, and they passed through the Red Sea, which was another incredible miracle. And after 50 days, they came to Mount Sinai, where Moses received the law. Do you remember? On tablets of stone. Some of the movies portray it, Moses coming down with the two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. But it was more than just commandments. God was establishing a way of life for his people that were going to look different from the rest of culture and the other cultures of that time. God was giving his law to his people. And now, here at Pentecost, it's strategic, God's timing. Because in the New Testament, we see this, the Holy Spirit's poured out, and Luke writes that there's an assumption that, and we're going to read about the rest of it next week in Acts chapter 2, on the first day that Peter gets up and preaches Jesus and his resurrection, it says that 3,000 people were saved and added to God's community of people. Folks, that was the first fruits. And we're thankful. And they were thankful for those 3,000. But there's a whole harvest yet to come. And guess what? 2,000 years later, we're part of that harvest. Hallelujah. For those of us who know and follow Jesus. But there's more than that. That's the first fruits. But we also see this. That on this first day that the Holy Spirit is poured out, we see that it's only possible because Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. That Jesus, just as we see in the Old Testament, the lambs were sacrificed, the blood was put, and God passed over. Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, that when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our wrongdoing, what the Bible calls our sin. He broke, the Bible says, the power of sin over us. That we couldn't obey God because we had this power that made us always do the wrong thing. That God, with Jesus on the cross, deals with the pollution that comes from sin. That Jesus on the cross is the Lamb of God. He removed the partition that we are not separated from God anymore. That we can cry out, Abba, Father. Those are all the things that Jesus did as the Lamb of God. And we see this, that in the Old Testament, Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, and he brought down the law on tablets of stone. In the New Testament, what do we see? We see Jesus ascended into heaven. We read earlier in Acts 1, 
And Jesus is now not coming down again physically, and he's not coming down with tablets of stone. What's he doing? He's sending the third person of the Godhead. He's sending the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who is not coming down with tablets of stone. Where's the Holy Spirit going to live and dwell? The Holy Spirit's going to live and dwell now in human hearts. Whew, that's incredible. It's incredible that the Old Testament promises, if you read them in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, God's always promised, and he said this to his people, someday I'm going to give you a new heart. Can you imagine? I'm going to turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. I'm going to put a new spirit within me, and I'm going to write my law on your hearts. It's not going to be some external thing that you're like, oh, I know right from wrong, but I've just got no power to obey. Or maybe even no desire to obey. The promise is the Spirit's going to be given and He's going to live in our hearts. And He's going to write God's law on our hearts. He's going to change us from the inside out. He's going to give us desires to follow and to worship God. And not only desires, He's going to give us power. He's going to enable us to be able to live a life that pleases God. Woo! Hallelujah. It's amazing. Peter's saying, this is now being fulfilled. It's a sign that we're at the right place. This is the right thing. Pentecost is a sign that a new era has begun. A new way of power is available to transform lives. And that God's desire is to have a people that love him with all heart, soul, mind, and strength and worship him with the whole of their lives. And now that's enabled because God makes his presence dwell in us. He empowers us. He enables us. We're not left to our own. Whew. God, by his spirit, can sweep in and change lives that are dead to Jesus, who don't even know Jesus, who have a heart of stone. God's spirit is able to transform. And the Bible says that we can be born of his Holy Spirit. That's the power of God for salvation. It's by His Spirit. And God's able to take us, sometimes even as believers, who just feel dry and maybe sometimes disconnected and sometimes maybe just lukewarm, and by the power of His Holy Spirit, He's able to sweep in and He's able to fill us afresh and He's able to fill us with the love of God and passion for Jesus. Jesus empowers us to change from the inside out. That's a new way of living. The Holy Spirit's not just some human force within us that we need to try to figure out how to unlock. The Holy Spirit's not some mystical force that we channel through nature. No, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the God, is sent from heaven above. King Jesus now dwells in heaven. He's given all authority. He's ascended. He's ruling. And he has the power to send the Holy Spirit to all who call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Jesus in John 14, 15, and 16, what did he say to his disciples before he left? He said, don't be afraid. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you on your own. I'm going to send one just like me, Jesus said. I'm going to send the helper, the teacher, the counselor, the comforter, the advocate. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to remind you of my teachings. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news, especially now when we're maybe more alone or you're in quarantine or you're isolated? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not alone. You have the Holy Spirit with you and in 
you. And he fills us with his peace and with his joy. We're never alone. We sang this morning, joy to the world, the Lord has come. We can also sing, joy to the world, the Holy Spirit has come. Amen. It's the first sign that this new era has come that confirms we're on the right track is this, the Holy Spirit lives within the followers of Jesus and he writes God's law on our hearts and he empowers us to be able to live that out. The second sign is this, the Holy Spirit comes to all who call on Jesus. Peter uses the book of Joel to explain what is happening. Is this the right destination? It looks different from what they were expecting. But Peter's saying, yes, what we've been longing for, what we've been waiting for is here and coming true. And here are more signs that we are at the right destination. There's, we're speaking in other languages. Peter connects this, what sometimes to us seems like a bizarre behavior of the apostles. They're shouting out in several different languages, declaring the wonders of God. He connects that with the promise of Joel that God would pour out his spirit in a new way and new things would take place. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came upon a few people at a few times for a specific reason. So if you read through, sometimes the Spirit came upon a priest or a prophet or a king, but never on everyone. And now in the New Testament, we read God's Spirit is poured out on a lot of people all at one time because Jesus has ascended and is glorified. And there's no discrimination, we read here, between slaves and free, male or female, young or old, they all receive the filling of the Holy Spirit individually and together as a community of believers. Peter also wants us to know this, that Jesus sending the Holy Spirit to his followers, he, God is reversing a curse that God put on humankind all the way back in Genesis chapter 11. We see at the Tower of Babel that humanity created a tower to reach the heavens and in their pride, they want it, and in their arrogance, they want it to be better than God. And God put a stop to it. And God, what did he do? He put a curse on them, and he changed all their languages so that they couldn't work together. Pride led to a curse, which led to division. God changed the languages so they couldn't work together. But Peter's saying, hey, God's been about changing that. Can you believe in the next chapter, in chapter 12 of Genesis, God gives a promise to Abraham. He chooses Abraham out of God's sovereign plan and will. And he says to Abraham, he makes a promise. He says this, all nations are going to be blessed through you. And now, Peter's saying there's been another fulfillment of that promise has happened. Jesus from the line of Abraham has come and has given his Holy Spirit. And instead of pride and a curse and division, humility, humbling ourselves to follow Jesus, has brought about a blessing of the Holy Spirit coming, which leads to unity. Jesus has reversed that curse. Jesus gives the Holy Spirit, and it actually unites his church. And a demonstration of that is the wonders of God being declared in several languages that people can hear the wonders of God in their own tongue. Amazing. Well, we're going to pray in a couple of minutes, but before we do that, I just want to, in a sense, 
answer a few questions that sometimes, as I've spoken from Acts chapter 2 before, get asked. So I thought I might as well ask, try to answer them here. So let me just say a couple of things. First of all, when we put our trust in Jesus the Savior, as I've just said, he's paid the penalty for our wrongdoing. He's taken our shame and all the things we don't like about ourselves and the things people have said and wounded us. He deals with all of that at the cross. He's the Lamb of God sacrificed. And we do this great exchange. And the Bible says when we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and when we humble ourselves and call on the name of the Lord to be saved, when we turn from our own ways, the Bible calls repentance, we change our mind and we say, no, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus. When we receive forgiveness from God that Jesus purchased, when we submit to Jesus' leadership, the Bible says there that we're born of the Holy Spirit. We're born into a new kingdom. The Bible says we're born again. And the Bible says this, that we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive, the Bible says, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We're marked by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this, we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the spirit of adoption, that we know we belong to God as Father. But the Bible says this, He wants us not to just receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what we see in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at some other examples over the next few weeks and months, is sometimes this is what happens. People put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ. They're born again of the Spirit. And guess what happens? They're filled with the Holy Spirit basically all at the same time. And we're going to see that with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. But sometimes this happens. People become a Christian, they receive the Holy Spirit, but they're actually not filled with the Holy Spirit till sometime later. And we're going to see that in Acts chapter 8 in Samaria. Here's our point. We want you filled with the Holy Spirit. And we would love to have that window of time be as short as possible. <laughs> so sometimes when people become Christians, we've prayed with them and they have been filled with the Holy Spirit all within minutes. And sometimes people have been Christians for a long time. Sometimes they've never even heard about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we've prayed with them and they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you say, Joe, what does that look like? Honestly, it can look a whole bunch of different ways. And we don't want to put God in a box. And we see all kinds of different ways it happens in the New Testament. Sometimes it's like Acts chapter 2. Folks, sometimes there's a powerful encounter with Jesus. And sometimes, you know what? People speak a new language. We've had that happen. People fall down. Sometimes people shake. Sometimes people weep and laugh and they feel heat. And sometimes it's Acts 2. You might think they might look a little drunk because they're connecting with supernatural God. But folks, sometimes there's no outward signs at all. But people encounter and experience the filling of the Holy Spirit, sometimes on their own, just when they're by themselves. But it's deep, it's transformative, it's real, it's powerful. And folks, we want to be open to both. Because we see it all throughout God's Word. God can do it with wind and fire. God can do it in the stillness of just calling out to Him. We want to be open. And both are very valuable. The Bible also says this, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It's a principle that we see in the book of Acts. The same people who were filled with the Spirit here in Acts 2, in Acts chapter 4, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, Paul commands us in Ephesians 5 to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And for myself, I know Easter Sunday, 1994, that evening, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Changed my life. But folks, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, today. You'd be thirsty to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What about tongues and other languages? Is that scary and weird? Or is that exciting and strengthening? Was Acts 2 unique to that time? My answer is always kind of like yes and no. Obviously, that was the first time the Spirit was poured out. There were some unique things that happened. But also, no. We've seen similar things happen throughout church history and in the life of our own church. We have examples from our own church when people have spoken out in a language that they did not learn and other people have been in the room who understood that language. So we've had a language given out declaring the wonders of God that for me in English, I did not understand. But it was given in Afrikaans and someone who was there who spoke Afrikaans said, I knew exactly what was being said because that's my native language. And we've had that happen in Spanish and other languages here in us today. It happens. And you know what it does? It makes you go, it kind of makes you wake up and go, oh my soul, that's incredible. That's powerful. God is real. And we have people here this morning who speak different languages. And isn't it wonderful that God would do something that people would hear the wonders of God being declared in their language. Hallelujah. Let it happen more today. The Bible talks about a gift of tongues or languages. It's a prayer. It's a praise to God. And we can see more teaching in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And we've had it many times in our meeting. Someone comes with a gift of a different language. They haven't learned it. It's by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Bible says it's a heavenly language. No one would understand it. Sometimes it's an earthly language that they didn't even know. They haven't learned. And the Bible says that someone comes with a gift of interpretation and they make known that prayer and praise in our common language, which most of the time here is English, so that we can understand, that we can go yes and amen, and we can be encouraged. And a lot of times God gives to us what's called a prayer language. God gives us an extra language that we can pray. And most of the time that's done in private. That we, me and my English words, I just run out of words. I'm not very good with words, and I can pray, and after a while, I'm like, oh, I'm praying the same thing over, and I get confused and stressed out, and God gives me another language that I can just pour out my heart to God. I don't even understand it, but I know God does, and the release that comes, and the burden that's lifted, and the joy that fills me, and the encouragement it brings is powerful. And this morning, before our meeting, I prayed in the prayer language that God has given to me. Folks, in conclusion, sometimes we wonder, as they did 2,000 years ago, you know, are we at the right destination? Like, maybe it doesn't look like what I thought. Luke's recorded. Peter has emphasized there are signs that say this is the right destination. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus has returned to heaven. And look, he's poured out his spirit fulfilling the promises, the signs that were given throughout the Old Testament. It is now. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke about.
The Holy Spirit has been poured out 2,000 years ago, and the Holy Spirit is for us today. And can I just encourage you here this morning, for those of you watching online, can I encourage you, don't miss out. Don't miss out, even if it might look different from what you thought. Don't miss out. Folks, the difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit enabling us to live a life that pleases God versus you doing it in your own energy, in your own effort, in your own striving, it's night and day. No matter how much willpower, self-control, all of that you have, it's so much better when the Holy Spirit writes things on our hearts and enables us and empowers us to live a life that pleases God. Don't miss out. So many people question, does God really love me? And they're legitimate things. But when the Holy Spirit pours the love of the Father into your heart and you know that you know that you know that I'm a child of God, that God loves me, folks, money can't buy that. <laughs> that assurance that God loves me and I'm secure in his son, Jesus Christ. Don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on gifts that God wants to give that are going to edify and strengthen you, but you know what they're going to do? More importantly, they're going to bless those around you. They're going to encourage those around you. Don't rob others by missing out on being filled with the Holy Spirit and receiving the gifts the Holy Spirit has for you. You can receive today. Here are the signs that we now are of the kingdom of God, and it's a kingdom, one, of the Holy Spirit. We're here. God's Spirit has been poured out. One, God's Spirit lives within us and writes on our hearts God's desires and God's purposes and God's plans. He changes us from the inside out. Hallelujah. God's Spirit is for everyone, for all who call on the name of the Lord to be saved. It's so inclusive. It's the Holy Spirit's for everyone. And God's Spirit gives gifts. One of them, it's not the most important one, but one of them is he gives a gift of languages. And we don't want to miss out on that gift that he wants to freely give. Can I encourage us today, those watching online, call on the name of the Lord. This morning, call on the name of the Lord. Follow Jesus every day. Put your trust in him. Receive his spirit that he has for you. So I just want to lead us in a couple of prayers. The worship team can come. And if you're able, why don't you stand? And I just want to pray. And if you're watching online, watching at home, why don't you stand? Engage. Don't miss out. Okay. You know what I find really encouraging about that story from Acts chapter 2? You know what's really encouraging? They're in a room praying and seeking God and the Holy Spirit came. There was no guest speaker, no conference. They were just in a home. So you know what? It's so encouraging. The Holy Spirit is here, and he can come now, and he can fill you, even though we can't lay hands on you, even though we're not all together. If you're watching at home, the Holy Spirit is not limited. So what I want to do, I just want to lead us for our first prayer. Maybe you've never called upon the name of Jesus. You can call upon the name of Jesus to be saved today. You can't receive the Holy Spirit. You can't receive the things I'm talking about unless you first know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We come to the Lamb of God who takes away our sin first. 
and then he pours out his spirit. So I'm going to just lead us in a prayer. You can make this your prayer. You can pray it out loud. You can whisper it. Pray it in your heart. But if you've never prayed or called on the name of the Lord to be saved, you can do that right now. So let's do that. You can just call out, Lord Jesus, I call upon your great name. I might not understand all of who you are and what you've done, but I've heard enough that your spirit is at work in my heart. And I call upon the name of Jesus to be saved. Lord, save me from my own sinful ways. God, save me from a life apart from you. Save me from an eternity apart from you. God, save me from my own selfishness, Lord. Save me from the things, Lord, that my fear and anxiety and stress, Lord, save me from these things. And Lord, save me into your kingdom. Lord, save me into a follower of you. That I pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and Savior. And I call upon Jesus to save me. I ask for your forgiveness. Sorry for the things I've done wrong. I ask now, would you come and fill me with your spirit? Would you come, baptize me in your Holy Spirit? May I be filled. May you come and change me on the inside out to be able to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, do it, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. And maybe you're a Christian here this morning. And I just encourage us to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. 2020 has been tough, folks. We know that. We can be dry. We can be lukewarm. We can maybe feel disconnected. Maybe we've lost some passion for Jesus. Can I just pray for us now? You can call out on the name of Jesus again. Lord Jesus, we come thirsty. Your word says, if anyone's thirsty, Jesus, you say, come to you. We come to you, Jesus. We don't go to anyone else. And I pray for myself, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning, I pray for those who are watching online. Jesus, would you come now by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you come and fill people this morning? Lord, come, Holy Spirit, fill hearts here today. Fill, Lord, my brothers and sisters, Lord. We're hungry, we're thirsty for you, God. We say we need you, God. We need you, Lord. Pour out your Spirit again, Lord, in our day, in our time, Lord. Lord, we want to know that we are here, that we're part of the kingdom of God. It's one that's a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Fill my dear friends here this morning, God, I pray. For those at home watching online, Lord, fill them right now, Lord. Flood them with your presence, with your love, with your peace, with your joy, with your empowerment, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, just as we sing this last song, let's continue to receive. You can go on just asking Jesus to fill you with his spirit. Thank you.